This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you've had a fantastic start to your week. As always, it's very much appreciated that you're tuning in, especially at the weekend, especially during the international break. It means the absolute world. So thank you to everybody indeed who are tuning into today's show uh, and thank you for doing so um do drop a like subscribe all of that usual youtube stuff um so yes thank you uh let's tune in to those uh say good morning penny ween matt g um hawkwind uh paul blackshine stevie derek rich uh medic uh we've got uh <laughs> very very close then uh johnny going for as well Morgie, uh, James, uh, we've got thousands, thousand yards there, uh, is tuning in as well. Um, David John, uh, we've got Maximius, Olawale, and Red Star, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you to everybody uh, for tuning in. It's very much appreciated. Kirill, I've mentioned you. <laughs> there you go. Right, uh, let's jump into today's stories, shall we? Um, Leah Williamson videoed uh, stepping up her recovery from that serious knee injury that she suffered last season, keeping those fingers crossed um, that Leah can be back on the pitch very soon. We've already seen Beth Mead back in the squad after she indeed suffered an ACL issue. Also, uh, Viv Miedemar hoping that she'll be back very soon as well. But seeing Lilia, uh, Lilia? Leah also getting involved in her recovery, Arsenal could have a very, very impressive team come next season. Uh, or, yeah, this season, because we're already underway in the Champions League. So I suppose it is now very much so this season. Fantastic stuff. Uh, Odegaard and Saliba both played and won in their international games. Uh, Martin Odegaard's winning 6-0 as he captained Norway to their game against Jordan. Didn't get any goals or assists in that game, but he came off uh, after around 70-ish or so minutes, or 60-ish or so minutes. No injury as far as I'm aware, so that's positive. Meanwhile, uh, Saliba didn't start in France's 2-0 win over Ireland. However, did come on later on in the game. So certainly, uh, William Saliba and Odegaard getting minutes on the field, but uh, restricted minutes, which I think is a, a positive thing, considering we want to see these players rested as much as we can. We've still got the likes of Bukayo Saka, 
Uh, Ramsdale, Declan Rice to come. They play against Ukraine on the weekend and they've got a game against Scotland. Next week, Eddie and Ketia as well involved in the England squads. Um, we're still waiting for other results as well to come through. So we know that hopefully everyone has come through unscathed. Uh, Leandro Trossard has been speaking out uh, recently about his lack of minutes. He says, when I chose Arsenal, I knew it was going to be harder. I'm now at a top club where only good players walk around. The season is still long. I do know that my chances are still coming and that I will get minutes. The club has also bought in more just because we want to participate on all fronts in the Champions League, the Cups and the League. We have a game every three days, so it's impossible to play with the same guys every week. It's time. It's up to me to show myself when I get a chance. The coach has told me that too. And this is obviously the attitude that we want to hear from our players, understanding why they're not getting minutes on the field and understanding why ultimately they're not getting their time. And when they go away on the international breaks, we often see these interviews happen where they're more open and honest at times about the club because they're not with the club. Um, and that's Trossard's thoughts. But interestingly, also Kai Havertz has been speaking to the media about his difficult start to life at Arsenal. He says, uh, sure, something like that keeps you busy, but I have often had a phase and then you often only see the negative. It's not the first club where I start again. Of course, you want to succeed as soon as possible, but I know that there are such phases. I'm trying to approach it in a relaxed manner. And uh, this is obviously what we want to hear from Havertz. We want to know that despite some of the despicable, horrible things that people have been saying about him in this supposed fan base, that he is putting it to one side. He is focusing on just, you know, focusing on what he needs to do, which is to improve, uh, learn his teammates, learn the philosophy, learn what he's uh, kind of coming towards with this team and get on with it, uh, which is fantastic. You want to see that type of mentality and attitude from Havertz, and that's a good thing. So if he was being very emotional, I suppose, and um, being, I suppose, really frustrated by what's been done, I'd have a bit of a concern about whether or not it's going to work out because you want these players to be able to kind of compartmentalise those things and, and and kick on, even though it's not great that they have to deal with them, but you want them to be able to compartmentalise those and, and go through. Um, but he seemingly is doing that. So that's a really, really positive thing for King Kai. Uh, moving forwards and sticking with the international side of things, Ghana beat Central African Republic yesterday 2-1. They had to come from behind to be able to do so. Thomas Partey was not involved, but that win for Ghana does mean that uh, they now qualify for the African Cup of Nations, meaning that Partey will, if he is still here and still fit, in January, be missing for a period of time whilst the African Cup of Nations is being played, I believe, in Ivory Coast. I think that's where it is this time around, or Cote d'Ivoire. Um, so Partey will be involved for Ghana during that period of January. There is, an in, there is a transfer window open in that period, so maybe Arsenal will look to bring in some reinforcements. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, very much, um, very much happy for uh, Partey to get qualified for that tournament. That's what every single African player wants to be able to do is to play in that that competition. So you can't, it's never about like moaning about the idea that he's playing for his country. That's not it. It's just obviously trying to come up with a strategy to get around the, the, the African Cup of Nations tournament for club sides. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully there's no injuries whilst he's playing in that tournament. We don't have Partey for at least... Uh, until after the October international break is the latest information. So let's see when he does indeed return. Marcelo Flores, 19-year-old attacking midfielder in the youth side, has left the club permanently. He will be joining Tigres in Mexico. Flores has impressed in his time with the youth side and has gone on a couple of loan deals with Real Oviedo the last couple of seasons. But it's not 
really worked out for the Mexican international who has a senior cap to his name as well. Uh, I think it's a bit telling, obviously, where he's ending up. He's going back to Mexico. He's not moving to a European club. Um, he's going back to play in his homeland. So uh, we wish him the absolute best, of course, but it's probably for the best. The op opportunities at Arsenal are going to be very, very limited, especially with the likes of Ethan Nguyeneri coming through, um, who are obviously now, I think, further ahead than Flores in the pecking order. That's why players go out on loan. They go out on loan to try and get the best opportunities they can, but they can come back and find themselves without um you know without uh, a place and their position in the pecking order kind of changed so yeah let's let's wish him the absolute best but uh, it's not worked out for him at arsenal and lastly our headline story of the day is that arsenal are set to receive a fee in the region of 3 million pounds for nicolas pepe this means that arsenal will break that 10 million pound mark for both the wages saved which are upwards of 7 million pounds and the permanent figure as well. Nicolas Pepe will join uh, Trabzonspor and play his football in Turkey until the end of this year. It's a one-year deal where he has to fight for his place and prove that that is where he needs to be and where he can succeed. Um, but yeah, I hope that he has a, a successful career in, in Turkey. I only want the best for our players when they leave, and unless they go to a rival, of course. But uh, for Pepe, I hope that he has a great career in Turkey. I hope that he earns his place at the club and uh, improve. So, yes, uh, I think a good fee in the end for Arsenal. Right, let's go to part two and your questions right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right then, uh, let's jump into the chat box. Um... I wanted to tackle this comment from T Down Under, who left this comment when we were discussing the Havert situation. It says, don't blame the fans for reacting. And I have to disagree with this comment because it's not about blaming fans for reacting. What we're doing is we're criticizing so-called supporters for abusing Kai Havertz. That's what we're doing. You know, it's anyone can be critical. I've been critical of Kai Havertz's performances. You know, it's not about that. You can be critical all you want. It's about when that criticism goes too far and people start publicly leaving comments. I don't know, like uh, a couple of examples, uh, leaving comments like, we need to sell Havertz. Havertz should not be an Arsenal player. Please sell him. He's rubbish. You know, these sort of things are not criticisms. You know, these are just unnecessary. And to be honest, that's kind of the kinder end of the spectrum of some of the comments that we've been seeing. There's no need for the hate, as Penny Ween says. So, yes, please make sure that you take this the right way. It's not about reacting and telling fans they can't react. You can be critical. 
It's about not abusing players, not killing players before their careers have even started. But thank you for understanding. Very much appreciate it. Uh, Diaz says, fans are reacting based on his poor performance. I support that criticism, but there is a limit that shouldn't be crossed exactly. And I have no issue with criticising an Arsenal player when it's done through explanation and it comes from a, a positive place of construction. But if it comes from somewhere other than that and it's just purely designed to undermine the player and to make yourself stand out on you know a video, it's not exactly the best thing in the world at all. Um, Mo says, haven't had time to listen to last evening's show, but I'm wondering if Rice now gets injured, who would replace him? I suppose with El Nenny coming back, there is scope that he has depth and Jorginho would be the immediate replacement for Declan Rice in the squad. Declan um, Partey, of course, was actually replaced by Jorginho at the end of of the season. Uh, Jorginho actually pushed out Thomas Partey from that starting role and eventually Partey was brought back into the team but in that right back position for those games against Nottingham Forest uh, and against Wolves on the final game of the season as well. So uh, Jorginho would play um, but people seem to forget him so quickly and the quality that he's got. But El Nenny's also back this month and I think people underestimate El Nenny or what he's capable of when he is fully fit. He does put in some decent performances for us but obviously not to the same level of the starters that we have. But that is part and parcel of having a fourth choice defensive midfielder. You know, you're never going to get the same level of performance from your fourth choice as you are your first choice. Um, let's go to Christopher says, I'll be annoyed if Smithrow leaves because he doesn't get opportunities because Arteta persists with Havertz even if he's not impressing. I talked to Ellie about this on the Arsenal Vision podcast. If you've not listened to that, um, I'd recommend you giving it a listen um, between now uh, and the end of your day at some point. Always a pleasure to join Elliot on the Arsenal Vision uh, podcast. And yeah, I, I did highlight this. I said, I think that, you know, the Havertz criticism is coming from, you know, obviously a place of frustration, but also a place of seeing Smith Rowe get no minutes so far this season. And Kai is obviously struggling a lot of his performances, specifically against Fulham and against Man United, where he was admittedly poor and Smith Rowe's not getting that time. So I absolutely empathise with the supporters that feel that Smith Rowe's talent and time is being restricted because of a player that Arteta has brought in and is desperate to see succeed. And I think you have to find the balance. I think that we should be using Smith Rowe. I think that Havertz, for me, I would rotate him out for the Everton game and allow him to build up some time coming off of the bench. I think that is what would be really important for Havertz. But Elliot disagreed. Elliot said that he would stick with Havertz and he would play Havertz. But you can listen to both of our explanations for our sides of the argument on the vision. So make sure you go and check it out. Uh, Mike says, Kai is performing and fans are just refusing to see it. It is a very curious thing. Um, uh, and if he says, uh, criticism, yes, abuse and sending DM threats to a player, that's a no and unacceptable. And I think regarding Mikey's comment there about he's performing and fans are refusing to see it, I do think there is an element of that in some games. I think the Crystal Palace game in particular, Kai Havertz was good. And I did a whole article which obviously broke down that performance and highlighted how integral he was to the performance in that game. You know, whether it was the recoveries, the tackles, the passing, the attempts on goal, the the setup for Gabriel Martinelli in just the second minute of the game, which was quickly forgotten. He had a good game, Kai, in that game against Crystal Palace. And people, I think, did overlook it. But against Fulham, he was poor. And against Man United, he was poor. So, you know, you have to take the rough with the smooth. You have to be able to see the good and the bad. And I just want to see Havertz respond after this international round. I'm hoping maybe that him going away and playing with Germany, if he can have a few good games and involved with the German national side, that that will help him to maybe get some form up in a country where he's you know familiar, he's comfortable, uh, and around players that he knows already and has been playing with for some time. I hope that really helps him. 
Um, George says, the price tag aside, who has done more and been more impactful in the last four games? Havertz or Vieira? I just hope that Arteta plays the lads on merit and who have earned their place in the team. There's without a doubt that Vieira has had the most impact you know, on this team so far, um, so far this season is three. I say three assists. It is two assists, but one of the assists is for me. It counts. I'm a very big fantasy guy, and so if you win a penalty and someone else takes it, for me that is as, as close to an assist without it being an official assist as as you can kind of get. So yeah, I think that when it comes to to Vieira, he's absolutely made a bigger impact so far this season than Kai. And I personally would play. Fabio Vieira against Everton and I would bring Havertz off the bench as I've been saying but I think if he doesn't do that I would still obviously really be backing Havertz to succeed so let's let's wait and see what happens um let's go to uh, Lee says Tom when playing uh, Pepe's goal and assist ratio was not that bad do you think he was unfairly treated at the club Lee I think his first season obviously his goal and assists um his goal contributions were good but the problem with Pepe was is that you know obviously there were um set pieces involved in that be that free kicks or penalties um and also I think that he ultimately just didn't fit the philosophy of what Mikel Arteta wanted and also Bakaya Saka's rise at right wing and Arteta's development of Bakaya Saka as a right winger came during that second season that Pepe was at the club and it just became nearly impossible to see how Pepe was going to oust uh, Saka from that side. I think he's a good player. Like, I don't think he's terrible. I don't think he's bad. I think he's really technically gifted. It just wasn't the right place for Pepe. Arsenal was not the right club for him. And there were some good, good performances. I remember the game against Manchester United. He was really good. I remember the final against Chelsea in the FA Cup. I remember the semi-final against Manchester City where he set up that goal for Aubameyang. You know, he had good performances in him. He just couldn't deliver on a consistent basis and he couldn't deliver what Arteta wanted from a right winger. Um, he's talented, but by no means was he ever better than Saka or was ever worth allowing to kind of stunt the development of Bakaya Saka by playing him more than the youngster. So, And I'm really glad that ultimately the situation was managed in the best way possible because we have got out of that situation the best right winger in the league, bar maybe Mohamed Salah, one of the best, if not the best, young right winger alongside the likes of Rodrigo um, in the world, you know. So, and all of that process that we did and the way in which um, Pepe was, you can say, treated by the club ultimately led to us having a player of Saka's calibre, getting the amount of minutes, getting the amount of development that he had to become the player that he is today. So, if you think it's unfair, I think sometimes you have to take that unfair treatment in order to reveal what is Bakaya Saka today. Um, Bakary Lasagna says, I'd like to see Havertz playing off the bench, but let's face it, nothing would hit his confidence more than being dropped right now. I think that maybe something has to be understood that players will understand if they are dropped to the bench. You know, it can happen. I think to an extent, if you've had a few games, you're kind of expecting in some ways to be dropped to the bench. I get where you're coming from, uh, Bakary. Look, I just think that players will understand. I mean, listen to what Leandro Trossard was saying earlier. He says, you know, when I chose Arsenal, I knew it was going to be harder. I'm now at a top club where only good players walk around. The season is still long. I do know that my chances are still coming and that I will get minutes. Players do understand when they are dropped. And yes, I understand that it might be a bit of a hit to his confidence, but he has to then use that as motivation to turn things around. Uh, Yassin says, uh, which position would you like to see us um, target in the summer and prioritise in the January window? Uh, my personal opinion is the midfield that needs addressing first. For me, with Timber still out, I think there's a risk that we could see more injuries 
um, in that area. You never know what's going to happen between now and January. But I do think that uh, the defensive area, and I'd like to see another versatile fullback maybe be targeted. Um, you know, we've talked about Mohamed Simakan, We've talked about Benjamin Henricks. We've talked about others. Uh, I think there are ultimately a lot of different players that we could use. But I do see you, where you're coming from with the midfield. I think that that is kind of the third priority for me. If Partey was to leave, then obviously that would change and it would become a big priority. But whilst Partey is still here, whilst we've got Jorginho, whilst we've got Rice, whilst we've got um, El Nenny, you know, you've got depth in that position and, and that is ultimately important to consider. I think that there is scope to bring in maybe depth in the forward line. If you could bring in a right winger to add competition to, uh, to Bakai Saka, maybe that's what we're doing. But you also have to remember that Let's wait and see what Reese Nelson does between now and the January window. Let's see uh, if there's any way for the likes of Raw Waters and Ethan Nwaneri to make their impact between now and the next window. You have to be mindful of the young players that you've got coming through as well. And people say, oh, you can't just risk young players at this level, especially when we're trying to compete for trophies. But the matter of fact is, is that if you look at someone like Phil Foden or Bakaya Saka, even though that clubs are competing at a really high level, you've got to give players time to gradually integrate them into sides. Phil Foden was coming through at Man City when they were competing for titles every single season and competing for every single trophy under the sun and yet was given enough minutes to try and gradually get himself into the team. We also have to be able to do that with some of our players. And I do think we're actually a lot better than Man City at integrating youth players, hence why Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson, Saka, Smith-Rowe have all had plenty of minutes, why Joe Willock did, why Alex Awobi did. You know, there's lots of uh, examples of players that we've had that have come through the youth team and been given lots of senior opportunities at the club. Francis Coquelin, um was bought for the youth side and after a season or two there, made a step up to the senior side as well. Um, Wojciech Szczesny, another example. You know, we've got a lot of examples of young players that we've brought through or signed for the youth team at a young age and made them get that step up to the senior side and benefited from it. Emmy Martinez, another example. Um, so, yeah, I think there is lots of scope for Arsenal to Hector Bellerin. More of them keep coming to me. Um, but, yeah, we've got loads of examples of these. So I think we do have to give opportunities to young players as well gradually and integrate them. Miles Lewis Skelly, as you point out, Yasin, is another player that's really exciting. If you haven't seen the goal that Nwaneri scored in the youth side with Miles Lewis Skelly chipping it over the defence and, and him kind of little chip over the, the goalkeeper, Nwaneri, it was a fantastic goal. That's the talent we got coming through. Jason says, do you think that uh, Walters could be ahead of Cedric? I hope so. I hope that he's ahead of Cedric. Uh, Benji Walcott didn't come through uh, the Youth Academy. He was signed for the senior team, in fact. And actually, Seb, Carl Jenkinson was also signed for the senior team from uh, from Charlton. Joel Campbell, another one that was signed actually for the senior team, but it because of a work permit issue, wasn't actually able to play for the club for a period of time. Cesc Fabregas, however, is an example, but I don't know if Cesc played any minutes um, for the youth team, whether or not from Barcelona, he came straight in. So a quick check. Uh, did he play in the youth team at all? He did. He joined the Premier League clubs in their academy uh, in 2003 and played for... Uh, well, I mean, he, he got a senior appearance in 2003, I think, in a cup competition, um, uh, October 20 to October 2003 in the League Cup against Rotherham. You know, so I suppose it was a very quick period in the youth team um, that Sesk, you know, got his opportunity, but very quickly stepped up into the senior side as well and got plenty of opportunities after that Invincibles campaign, if you remember, as well. Uh, Ethan, thank you for the kind comment, mate. Really, really appreciate it. Um, Wilshire, another example of a youth player, came through, did brilliantly. Went on loan to Bolton, of course, as well. 
but then made that step up to the, the senior side. And Arsenal, look, I think we've got a really good group of examples now of players that, you know, uh, came through the youth academy or were signed and got a couple of appearances or a couple of years in the youth side uh, and then played a lot in the senior team. Nicholas Bentner, you may remember as well, signed, played in the youth team and then got an opportunity at senior level as well and played plenty of minutes for Arsenal. Loads of examples of those players. So, yeah, I think we need to give opportunities to youngsters still, even though we are competing at the highest level. Uh, Vera says, did you hear the VAR uh, commentary on the Kai penalty? When you acknowledge there is light contact, it means that the decision doesn't have a clear and obvious error. What are your thoughts? I absolutely sympathise with this view. Now, in my opinion, when I watched it in real time, I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, sorry, when I watched it back the first time, when I watched it in real time, I really did think it was a penalty. I remember I was kind of my hand was up in the air from the press box thinking that's a clear pen. When I watched it back in the replays, my instinct was, I don't think that's a penalty. And if it was given against Arsenal, I would have been very frustrated. However, with the way that VAR exists and the way in which the VAR is not there to re-referee games... Technically, I don't think VAR should have overturned it once the referee gave that decision because there is arguably not enough evidence to suggest that it is a clear and obvious error because in the moment I thought it was a penalty. The referee thought it was a penalty. There is, as you say, light contact. There is contact made. For me, it's not enough to justify a penalty if I was refereeing a game and I could see from that angle what it was. I wouldn't want a penalty to be given, but it's difficult to justify. It's a real borderline one. Um, I think when you're giving the Rashford one against Nottingham Forest and then overturning this one, it does highlight uh, inconsistency in officiating. And that's the issue. Whether or not we think it's a penalty is irrelevant. The fact that Rashford's one against Forest was given and this one was overturned, it shows a lack of consistency. And so that's the problem um, in, in the system right now. And that's where we're at. Um KSSM YW says that ref show was even more damning about their performance. It just shows that their behavior is completely arbitrary. What Taylor was doing, asking what he's going to see, is just what? No, I don't have an issue what he's going to see. Um, that's a very normal piece of dialogue. Uh, you want to be as a referee in the know about what the, 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 the video is going to show you. Um, what I don't think... Um, he should be being told he's kind of being leaned towards one side or the other. He should be allowed to make his own decision, but he should be being told what the video is about to show him on the screen. So I don't have an issue with that. Um, what I do have an issue with is, is their handling of the Fulham Man City offside, where Akanji was clearly offside. They took into account absolutely nothing regarding Leno's reaction to, to Akanji. Akanji moves and Leno pauses because he's expecting the ball to, to be played by Akanji. And Akanji then does stick out a leg towards the end of the movement, even though he's trying to get out of the way, supposedly, of the ball. It was a clear and obvious error that the offside was not given. And yet, the VAR commentary, it, it, it's, it's maddening. And not only that, but obviously they had the Wolves one. The Wolves uh, situation with the Anana on Dawson or whoever it was next to Dawson, even though it wasn't the player that headed the ball that got cleared out by Anana, you can hear the VAR say it's, it's clumsy and late. And like all of the words that you associate with a foul are described that Anana process. And yet in the end, they said, oh, well, it wasn't him that was tackled. And so therefore it can't be a penalty. It's just two players going for the ball. No, it was clumsy and rash and used a lot of the words that the VAR actually said 
in that moment, and yet it wasn't given. And obviously afterwards, VAR and PGMOL apologized to Wolves for not giving it because it should have been a penalty. So it is crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous um, that VAR is this bad with this amount of coverage and this amount of kind of retrospective looking at the the instances. Um, but it's it's where we find ourselves. And I've said for time and time again, we need to promote more diversity amongst the referees. We need to promote the promotion of, of referees from lower down in the leagues. If they're performing really, really well, we have to create more accountability for referees that are performing badly at the top level. And we need to invest in the best referees around the world and bring those into the club. I also think that VAR should be a separate entity to the referees. I don't think referees that officiate on a day-to-day basis should be the people that are involved behind the scenes of VAR. I think the VAR panel should be people completely unrelated to the referees, should have no um, communication or have no prior kind of relationships with those referees. The referees, the fourth officials, the assistant referees are one thing. The VAR should be a separate panel of people because the whole Mike Dean thing where he talked about trying to do the best for his mate, you know, we have to remove that element from VAR. And so I think the VAR should be a third party um, and not related to the referees. They can be, sure, maybe former referees or retired players or, you know, I don't know the best way to do it, but you need to have people that know the laws, obviously, to be able to implement them. But to have them related and, you know, really knowing the referees, for example, I think creates a human element that promotes error, which we need to try and remove from things as well. So there you go. Uh, Martin says, speaking as an ex-referee, I don't agree. Essentially, that is re-refereeing the game. The referees just need to be better. Look, Martin, if it was up to me, I would say the referees need to be good enough so the VAR doesn't have to exist. You know, that for me is what what VAR. I think that I love goal line technology. I think semi-automatic offsides should be implemented. But referees should be good enough that they identify when a when a penalty is a penalty. That they should be able to recognise when a red card is a red card. They should be able to recognise when there is simulation. Um, VAR has to exist, sadly, because the referees aren't good enough to do that. And that's why VAR does exist, because there's so many errors in games of such high magnitude where there's so much at stake. But uh, you're right in the sense that VAR should not re-referee games. Absolutely right. And it should only be there if there is an obvious error that's been made. But I don't think that there was an obvious error um, in the Havertz situation because there is contact. And even though I don't think it should be given, um, that that for me is is, is the issue. It's it's the lack of consistency as well that exists. Uh, Vera says, oh, I'm fully in agreement that Kanji was offside. He didn't even celebrate. Just looked more guilty than Peeny Ween when he was about to type anything. Yes, there you go. Uh, what did Peeny Ween say in regards to the refereeing side of things? I'm curious now. Uh, it's going to get me trying to scroll back. Um, I think... It should be the remit. Okay, the remit of what? I think VAR should be allowed to point out anything in the field the referee has gotten wrong. Oh, I see. So that's interesting. So I don't personally think that VAR should re-referee games. Um, I think the, 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 the owner should be on the referees to be good enough. Otherwise, just take away the referees and allow a computer to do all of it. You know, that there'd be an argument for that. I think referees should exist, but they need to be better. You know, I just personally believe they're just not good enough. Um, front yard says we need the tech of galactic football yes if there was kind of a starfield football we need uh <laughs> we need some way of getting that involved by the way i've started playing starfield i had an opportunity to play some of it last night and i feel so overwhelmed with it like 
I'm a real big Fallout 4 fan, and like I'm really struggling with Starfield at the moment. Is is uh, I have a few issues with it, uh, a lot of issues with it actually. Um, Jason says, Tom, fancy a career change as a VAR officiator? Uh, no, <laughs> thank you. I'm good, Jason. I'm very good doing what I'm doing. So, yeah. Uh, Marcus says, surely clear and obvious is the problem. It's an opinion. If VAR can re-referee the game, it then becomes black or white. I suppose some decision-makings aren't black or white, Marky. Um, You know, I think some decisions like whether something's a penalty, whether something constitutes as a deliberate handball, um, whether something is or is not a red card challenge, whether a player was in or out of control in a challenge so much of football is subjective and that's why we have the human element as well of refereeing because they have to make a judgment based upon what we understand to be a subjective decision sadly too many too many times are we seeing subjective decisions got wrong and and that's what is the big big problem for us uh in the game right now so yeah um there we go anyway uh, we're going to round the show off there thank you so much everybody for tuning in i hope you have a fantastic weekend i'll be back with you guys uh tomorrow um uh, i might be a little bit quieter because i've got people staying over this weekend so i am going to feel a little bit bad recording 8 a.m shows when i'm sure they're trying to sleep but uh yeah i'll be a little bit of a quieter shorter show saturday and sunday but still do tune in um also please do go back and listen to our uh, eat sleep arsenal repeat from yesterday if you've not yet given that a watch um i would recommend going and check it out it was a really good conversation uh listen to it just for the last 10 minutes um a good friend of the show and 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 good personal friend of mine uh drew was really open and honest when we talked a bit about uh jaden sancho and we talked a little bit about what he's going through at the moment and the mental health and football and we talked about very open and honestly drew's mental health and some of the things he's gone through so i would really recommend listening to that show just for the end of it if anything um but do try and listen to the whole thing it is available on your audio platforms as well so make sure you give it a listen um thank you to everyone that's tuned in uh, drop a like subscribe and all of that lovely stuff i will see you tomorrow morning have an enjoyable friday and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute all your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.